Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio, and you can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by a guy who's sitting between me and a cardboard cutout of Chuck. What's up, Gene? Yeah, I mean, I, I picked up Chuck from uh, from the Flyers. Uh, they had him in the Wells Fargo Center. They, they, they didn't ever show him on any of the broadcasts, but they assured me that he was there. I, I think him and Gritty just sort of worked out some sort of, like, part-time deal, but um, I... They said it was either that I come and get him or they were going to put him in that that smash up uh, room where they break shit. So I said, I'll, I'll come and I'll pick him up. I'll bring him back to my place until well, we can oh, find a cardboard better... cutout of Chuck is going to the, the rage room. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they were going to do with him there. I no <laughs> idea. But I don't know if it was going to start raging or if it was going to be raged on. But I, I felt like it would probably be better if I just brought him back to the office and let him hang out here until next season. Chuck, Chuck's still not with us this week. Hopefully, he'll be back with us next week. I, I, you know what I saw when I when I was watching the Eagles game, I saw that uh, commercial for Bud Light where the cardboard cutout. Uh, did you see this commercial? Yeah, and I turned to my wife and said, "Man, that that cardboard cutout commercial went on for about fifteen minutes too long." Yeah, it was like a whole movie. The cardboard yeah. cutout wants a Bud Light, but the vendor doesn't have it. He's like all over the city looking for a Bud Light, um, and then finally finds his actual humanoid. Self who gives him a, a you know a paper cut out of a Bud Light. I figured that was like what was happening to Chuck with a Labatt's or something. Yeah, like that. probably. A Molten. Yeah, or a Guinness. Who knows? <laughs> or a Depending on sure. whether it's his Canadian side or his Irish side that's out. <laughs> oh dear Lord! And uh, we have to start today with the Eagles, who fell to the Ravens, uh, thirty to twenty-eight today. And in case you missed the game. It is nothing that you have not seen before. It was a Jekyll and Hyde performance. Wentz was sacked a lot. There was poor offensive line play. Uh, Wentz had a horrible turnover. There were more injuries. Uh, Wentz missed wide open guys. Perfect passes were dropped. Crazy decisions were made by Doug. A comeback that fell short. Bring on the fucking Giants. Let's go. Oh, you, you forgot to mention uh, an oddly timed uh, two-point conversion. Um as well as fumbles, lots and lots of fumbles. Yeah, more more stellar performance by Travis Fulgham. Who the hell is Kroom? What is going on? So cats and dogs living together. <laughs> Mass hysteria. So, um, I, I got to be honest. When I woke up today, <laughs> I had absolutely no desire to watch this game. And if we weren't going to talk about it tonight, I probably would have done anything else with my afternoon. Um, it was one of those things where normally on, on game day, the very first thing I do is put on my, my Eagle stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm so excited to, to watch a football game. And today I just was like, what is the line? Nine and a half. Ugh. Like, do I even want to bother the, not only did I believe that the Ravens were going to win, but they were going to—I thought they were going to like cover that number easy. And I—I I just said I—I I would rather go like grocery shopping or something equally as annoying. But um, I did finally settle in. I never did put on my Eagles stuff, so um, if that's why the the uh, turn uh, the uh, comeback fell short, that that one's on me. Um, <laughs> but. Um, through most of the first half, and I, like I said to you before we started, I, I almost was like, we should just not have a show out of protest um, and just put a message up on Facebook to listen to any one of these other episodes, which would have been all of the other losses this year, because it was looking like it was so, so similar. Uh, not that that changed a whole lot by the end of the game, but at least they managed to infuriate me uh, and frustrate me to a point where at least I had an opinion about what happened on the field. <laughs> Well, I, I actually have a uh, I have a life hack for you, Gene. Um, and and anyone out there who's kind of like I, I I need to watch the Eagles every week, but um, you know, you're down seventeen nothing at the half, and you, there's other things you want to do uh, for that Sunday afternoon. If if you have Comcast, the the page up and page down button uh, usually moves your DVR uh, up and down ten minutes. Oh really? You can actually you can actually program that uh, to any length of time that you'd like. So if you program it to like twenty five or thirty seconds, you can DVR the game, and then immediately after each play, you can hit page up 
and they're basically like ready for the snap. So do you just start it like 30 seconds later than everybody else watching the game and then you're you're good to go? No, 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 because you're cutting out all of those 30 seconds. Like you're cutting out all of those 30 seconds. So like today I watched the first half in real time and I was like, all right, I, I cannot watch this. I cannot devote another hour and a half to this. So I went out. I recorded the game. I went out. I did some things. I came back. And then I watched the game in like, you know, quadruple time like uh, you know in 15 you know because i was skipping all the time between plays because i have that magic next play button basically. yeah we call it the magic button too i think i wonder if that's um <laughs> whatchamacallit i wonder if that's like uh copyrighted like if there's a lab somewhere where it's like the magic button room and you know somehow that's well now when you record it's sometimes you record a show they like cut out the commercials i wonder if they can do a football game just you know record it and cut out the plays i know that they do that when they re replay oh yeah that's anyway. my favorite thing when you watch on an nfl network and they basically just show you the whole thing in like an hour and a half yeah 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 that's the way to do it the during during game day anyway um where do you want to even begin with this game because the first half was just impossible to watch i almost want to say let's just cut to the end because what about the first half have we not already said at length well, that, that what, anybody thought, would want to listen to <laughs> i thought the entire like the entire story of the game today was was going to be Hightower misses a 50-yard dime from Carson, and then the Eagles proceed to get destroyed the rest of the game. Yeah, no, and, and I had a very similar feeling. And um, that pass was probably the best ball, other than, I guess, that touchdown to Fulgham, uh, I guess, in the in the Fulgham game. Watch, yeah, listen yeah, to that episode. Week, yeah, um, or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So... You know that was a it was a it was right on a line. He was wide open. It hit him square in the numbers, uh, and to see that eighty two Eagles jersey streaking up the field is a little bit like deja vu to my childhood. Uh, and I don't know if other people get struck by this, but my father had a Mike Quick jersey. Um, so uh, there was only two reasons why I would ever see a, the number eighty two in an Eagles jersey moving that fast was Mike Quick was going to score a touchdown, or I had screwed up and my father was coming to beat my ass. So. Um, those are the two times I ever saw 82 going fast. So it was, it was sort of <laughs> sort of amazing to see a guy, you know, in an 82 jersey gets hit right in the in the digits and and to have it and to have it sort of like fall to the turf. It was so frustrating because that's the sort of thing where, you know, you can just hear all of the people going like, well, if, you know, if, if they do had just had their, you know, receivers who were, were were rostered at the beginning of the year healthy, you know, how much better would this team be? And I, I don't want to let them off the hook that the problem at this point is the receivers because I don't I don't believe that that's the problem at this point, that it's the receivers. Uh, they do drop a lot of balls. But, I mean, you're talking about guys who were either undrafted or, um, you know, were, were very high, you know, very deep in the draft picks. And I, honestly, I think they're doing a pretty freaking good job. If there's one thing I can say – I hope that some of these guys still have some some field time once we do get Deshaun Jackson back for the two drives that he'll be available on Thursday. <laughs> and um like when whenever Rager gets healthy, I do think that he's probably going to play more. Um but I think that we have some, you know, Greg Ward and and um and Fulgham I think are two very good guys that are going to be valuable pieces and you know, cheap, which is, I think, something that's going to be important because I don't want to spend a lot of money. on. Well, at least those guys have demonstrated that if they're open and the pass is there, they will bring it in. Oh, yeah. And Fulcom's made some very difficult catches, too, which is I sure, think sure, sure. But I mean, when you look at what we've been dealing with over the last three years and you talk about Aguilar and, and Whiteside and some of these other guys also ran's. Um, they couldn't do even that, uh, you know, and as, as uh, someone who says like, I am a professional football catcher, uh, you know, it was a bit frustrating. Yeah. And I mean, JJ did find the end zone twice, once on a fumble recovery and once on a two point conversion, two point conversion. but yeah, the elusive um, touchdown is still, uh, uh, but yeah, that's just not, not to, happening. And, and, yeah. and seeing him get targeted and or make plays during the run of play seems to be sort of elusive as well. Um, so it's it's fascinating yeah. to me with as deep into the depth chart as we have gotten that he's still not leading the team in targets and making yeah. making productive plays. I, I don't know what to say about it. He is first down, Freddie. He is not. 
No, no. At least, <laughs> I mean, it, Freddie Mitchell also sort of a bust, but you would have once in a while that glimmer, which was maybe the most frustrating thing about Freddie Mitchell was you would have these glimmers of these plays where he would strap on the belt and give you his full uh, full dance move. But but it would be sometime in the first quarter and you wouldn't hear from him for the rest of the game. I mean, game. what what like fourth and 26 earns you a lifetime of respect. Like I do not besmirch Freddie Mitchell at all, ever. I never speak poorly of him. He gave me fourth and 26 and I'm happy. And hell yeah, Dodgers just tied it up in the third. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> so uh, it, it, we're recording this at 930. So we have the Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers Braves game seven is like going on out of the corner of my eye here. Um, So, yeah, the, like, that was basically it for the first half. Like, what, what else can you say about the first half? I, I thought the defense in some capacity played OK. I thought that they were able to sort of stifle the run game. Um, I, I, I it. To me, just by watching, even though it was 17 nothing, it felt like Baltimore hadn't really applied any real pressure on us yet, even though, you know, it, it was a lot more to do with the fact that we kept giving up short fields and, and you know, I was just waiting for Baltimore to sort of kick it into gear. Um, but I, I wasn't necessarily disappointed in the way the defense had played at the start of the game. Uh, they did give up two bad... They couldn't get off the field on third down in the first quarter. They they gave up yeah, a third the first I think, drive. Was I think they really gave up a third and ten and a third and nine, um, and it was really frustrating because they coming were, off the heels of some of when we should have converted a third and twenty two. Right. It was really frustrating to watch. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I feel like with the Eagles' defenses in some cases, uh, you know, I just don't understand with Jim Schwartz how he can. He doesn't have the right play calls to sort of dial up because it seems like they get beat on the same combination of plays every time. It's those out routes going towards the sideline for exactly how much they need and why the Eagles can't put plays in their own playbook to actually get first downs. It seems like they always come up two yards shy of the sticks and and our opponents seem to manage to always pick up a first down. it's, It's amazing to me how that always happens. Yeah, and the defense did play well, and they did have a lot of uh, batted balls, uh, especially early on, which you never stopped hearing about throughout the entire game. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Which I think, I mean, to me, Lamar Jackson just has a sidearm. He has a, it seems like he has a very low trajectory to to the ball. It seems like, um, it also seems like our, our defensive ends. Uh, and maybe some of the linebackers, but certainly look like the defensive ends that that was sort of in the game plan, you know, that they were going to sort of get to a certain point in their rush and almost immediately go into those, those jumps. Um, because they, the, it, it just, it seemed to make, if you watch the defensive line play a lot lately, it seems like they had been running past quarterbacks and, and having these guys step into the pocket. Um, and that was where they were giving up big plays that way. It seems like they were sort of trying to control their rushes and try to knock balls down. I don't know if that was something during the week that they talked about as far as a strategy to, that they had picked up something on tape, but it seemed to work. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to, so they gave up 17 points in the first half. I guess that's like basically what happens in the NFL now. I mean, teams are on track to score 30 points every game. So, uh, you know, I guess that they did, as well as could be expected, you know, I'm not sure. So, yeah, I mean, first half, that's it. And then, all right, so then let's get into the the craziness here. Eagles, uh, Miles Sanders finally breaks one off, which it seems like he's going to do this every game. Yeah, he's going to find a hole. If you just keep feeding him, not to invoke any you know Ezekiel Elliott uh, comparisons here, but if you just keep feeding him the ball, eventually he's going to break one off for a long run, and that's what's going to like bump his yards per carry up. But whatever. But um, I'm also noticing that he's not able to finish games anymore. He, he it seems like by the <laughs> yeah. by the fourth quarter, you're looking around, and even I don't know if it's just poor broadcast teams or whatever. Maybe if I was listening to Merrill and Mike, I, I might I might have heard this earlier in the broadcast, but I think it was probably three drives since we had seen him before they finally said, um, Miles Sanders is off with a, with a foot injury or an ankle injury. I was like, no wonder I've been seeing Boston fucking Scott for like the last 20 minutes. 
Yeah, I just saw the tweet when I was like looking through you know, for game updates that he, his return was questionable. So I was like, oh, well, I guess uh, I guess Miles Sanders is hurt. Um, he couldn't finish the run, as you mentioned before, and did like sort of a forward fumble, uh, which was recovered, thankfully enough, by uh, Ortega Whiteside. Well, well did, do you think that he run. like forward like it was punched out, right? That was one of the other things that they, they went on and on and on about in the broadcast today was that the Ravens secondary is sort of, I don't know if you want to call it like, like ball hawks, but they, they, Oh no, they, Gene, go they after, call it apex. Oh, ball hawks. apex ball hawks where they, they, they try to punch loose fumbles, which they, they were having a lot of success with. But I think in that case, it looked like it got punched out from underneath of him. And it, it sort of, just happened to roll towards the middle of the field instead of sort of the towards the sidelines. I mean, it, yeah, it, we got a lucky bounce with that, and uh, we'll take it. Um, and now, so it's so it's what was the score at this point? Was it seventeen to six? Well, I think, or was it was that the twenty? Was that the? I think it was seventeen to six at that point. Either way, you're multiple score. You're three scores down. Yeah, you know, there's just no so. Doug goes for two, and I'm I I guess I'm I'm at a loss to understand like what does eight really give you there? It, it, it gives it so still gives you, you the same amount of you're it, still down two two scores, yeah. but being at six means you're down three. So if you go for it and get it, then you're a point ahead in the in the in sort of the normal progression of points. Yeah, right. 7, 10, 14, 17. whatever. You're a point ahead of all that. If you miss it, then you could just go for it again. And if by your uh, internal rationale, you convert at least 50% of the time, then it's fine. Sure. Okay, fine. But in, to, to my amateur logic... Um, wouldn't it be better at that point in the game when you're you're sort of getting the the uh, the snot kicked out of you and you finally get some some positive momentum to um to kick the the extra point there and go in with seven and and sort of not have the you know it, it seems to me the negative is so much worse in that scenario you know if you miss you you've now ended the drive on a negative play and you are now still going to keep yourself three scores down in the second half so i'm a wuss so i i would never go for two unless i have to i, I i'm not like i would like to have an extra point you know what i mean like i'm not going to do it unless my back's to the wall and i need to have two at that point uh so i would kick almost all the time unless it, the game was on the line or i you know i needed to I had the opportunity to reduce my comeback by an entire score. Right. I agree with you. You weren't going to do in that situation. And the Ravens defense is no joke. It's right. not That's a like really you can good just defense. do it. You know, it's not like the Eagles were doing whatever they want. They fucking minus five yards passing in the first quarter. Right. I, I mean, how does that even happen um, with a team that throws as much as the Eagles do? You know, I, I <laughs> You know, it's it's difficult to understand. So to say I'm just going to gamble with this point. Now, look, if I'm the head coach and Doug's the head coach and we scored the same amount of touchdowns, we came out with the same amount of points at the end of the day anyway because I would have kicked for the first touchdown and then I would have kicked after the second touchdown. So the I guess the scoring is the same. So everyone who's ranting and raving saying Doug shouldn't have gone for two, he should have kicked it there, is are probably – the same group of people that would have kicked it after the second touchdown also. Right. And, and the points would have come out even. Yeah. So I I don't really think that that's a valid argument here. Now, if you're going to say, well, Doug would have went for it for two on the second touchdown and and you're a point, you lost a point because you didn't get it on the first one, then I guess, but I don't think that's the way. Yeah. And I think that at some point you would have ended up, had you missed both of those tries, um, you would have ended up like at twenty four to twelve. Uh, I think could have would have been a score line at one point. Um, so you know you still stay in that, especially <laughs> in that second scenario. Like you, you still end up basically needing that third score once you've you've missed that first one. It, I have no idea what their internal logic is, other than to say it feels to me like Doug 
would just rather at some point there was to become this new philosophy of like just go for two as much as possible accrue as many points as possible and maybe i've just grown up in 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 too long of understanding that you just you just kick 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 we also take into account that us as as we were learning how the game of football was watched Extra points were a hell of a lot more guaranteed. Um, they were a lot closer. People do miss the single points a lot more often than they used to since sure. they pushed it back. So I wonder if when that happened, if there was sort of a – that sort of spun the trend <laughs> and spun the math to be like, well, you're going to miss X number of ones, so you might as well just go for two because the the benefit to having those extra points can far outweigh having to chase single points that you miss. I don't know if that's where it all comes from or not, but this is a bad team. Um, I think maybe if they were a better team, he would play a little more conservatively. But since we're constantly having to come from behind, you know, there's a certain amount of screw it. Let's just try to get as many points as we can. Um, okay, so the success rate of a two-point conversion... Let's look this up. NFL <laughs> success rate, two-point conversion. Uh, it's about 40, 43%, 48%. It's about 48%. Oh, it's almost, it's almost every other. Yeah. Now, depending on your team, you're higher or lower than that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that the Eagles are better at it than most teams. But I don't uh, think they're like 70-30 better. I think no, no, no. But the point of it, the point of it is – uh, like if you're over 50% and you plan on scoring more than one touchdown, just go for it every time. Just do two points every time because if you get it on the first one, you're ahead. Right. Try it on the second one. If you get it on the second one, now you're really ahead in the, in the little like ticky tack point here, point there game. Um, you're bound to, to make it at least once. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's why he's doing it. Just, I don't know. I'm on board. Just go for it every time. I don't care. Yeah, and it certainly felt today like there was no, there was going to be no point where he was ever going to. I mean, did Jake Elliott do anything <coughs> other than kickoffs today? I, I, I don't remember there being a, a field goal attempt. No, but like I said, either philosophy puts you in the same position at the end of the game. You need to go for two to tie it. Right. My concern is what the hell was that play? Because I don't, I mean, I don't know. Does Carson run a lot of those read options? I don't see him running a lot of those read options, or I don't see them running enough of them that are successful to take note of it as I mean, I they don't should know run more any, of it. Yeah, I don't think there's anything Carson could have done because the play just got totally destroyed. Well, what do you think the, the play was there? Was it to read like the 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 end or the tackle coming up to, to know whether he was going to keep it. And yeah, it I was guess... one of those things where, you know, you hold the ball in the running back's belly as long as possible. And then you make a, once a defender commits, then you make a decision that's going to leave him in a bad position. But it seems it's like just... whatever hole they were looking to open up for either one of them, there was nothing there. Yeah, both, both options were shut down uh, pretty, pretty early on in the play. And you knew it was doomed right off the bat to me Um, it looks to me when the eagles have had success both trying to score touchdowns and uh two-point conversions in that inside the five area when they haven't been basically just you know up the gut to miles sanders it seems like rolling carson out has been where they have been successful they are a lot less successful when they're trying to either throw just out of the pocket um when you know on like a three-step drop or um, when they've tried to hand the ball to anybody who's not named Miles Sanders. So I was surprised that they didn't try to roll out again. Uh, maybe it was one of those, that's what they're expecting us to do, we'll do this other thing. Um, I don't know, but that play call looked, it looked like they were confused. It looked like they hadn't ever discussed what was going to happen. Um, and basically, Boston Scott and uh, Carson Wentz ended up basically sort of hugging there in the middle, waiting to be tackled by as many uh, Ravens as could possibly get into the backfield. Here's a here's an interesting statistic. What would you say you would think it would be more successful on two point conversions, running the ball or passing it? I would say running. 
That would be my assumption. You would actually be correct. Running running converts the two-point conversion almost 62% of the time. Uh, passing around 43% of the time. Just because there's just less variables with with a run, you know, either you you yeah. sort of get it yeah. or you don't. What do you think what do you think teams try more, running or passing? <sighs> Man, uh, this is going to show my Eagles bias. I think they probably try to throw more. Yeah, like way more. Like 75% of the time, teams are trying to throw for the two-point conversion, which is less likely to convert than running the ball. I think that that just shows that the modern NFL head coach just has a lot less faith in his run attack. Pete Carroll, run the ball. <laughs> Just give it to Marshawn. Exactly. Anyway. Um, so, I mean, yeah. obviously that's sort of like the what the game came down to is you got a, you got a, a series of weird sorts of fluky bounces. You get yourself within eight points. Um, you, you do the hard work. You, you draw a pass interference uh, penalty, which I thought was – if I was a Ravens fan, I would have called it soft. Oh, yeah, I would have been going nuts. Um, but, you know, it worked to our benefit, so we've certainly been called with a lot of soft pass interference calls in the last couple of years. Um, you get you get the touchdown, and then it's very deflating. To a certain degree, like, had they just incomplete – there was an incomplete pass there, I guess I would feel less um, yeah. deflated. I, I, don't, I don't know even how to, to describe the feeling, but it's one of those things where – you know, and I know it was just to tie. It's not like they would have then won the game, and there's a lot of time left. Um, you know, did we spare ourselves the humiliation of giving up um, a third and long that resulted in a field goal or a touchdown? I, I don't know. Uh, that's certainly on brand. But um, yeah, it's just a, it's it's a really frustrating way to watch a fourth quarter. Really feel like suddenly you've got a professional team that's clicking on many cylinders and looks like their offense can do whatever they want. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of cynics that are going to be like, well, the Ravens went into a prevent defense and they exploited uh, soft well, yeah, coverage. I mean, it's easier to score points when you're down 17 than when you're tied 0-0. I mean, obviously. But, you know, teams are also not, tr- you know, trying to be in that position where they're, they're going to... And, and the offense is... You know, when you're up 17, nothing changes too. Yeah. You have to execute. It's just easier to get back into a game. It seems. Yeah. You're basically racing the clock more than the defense in some cases. So, you know, I'm not, if, if somebody wants to call this like a moral victory or take something away from this as positivity going into Thursday night against the giants, like good on you, man. Like I, I hope that helps you sleep at night or whatever. I, I I'm not getting a, like I don't feel I don't feel any differently about the team today than I did after the Steelers game. And maybe that's to my point. How how do you now feel about this team at one four and one? Then uh, you know looking down the rest of the schedule, uh, where it's becoming more and more likely that. Very possibly a seven or six win team I, is going to win this division. Look, I want to be, I want to be pragmatic about it. Like I'm going to watch every game, and every game I'm going to root for the Eagles to win, even though intellectually I know each win does them a disservice in the long run of the ultimate goal of getting back to winning a Super Bowl. You know, if you are someone who is like they need to win the division this year, like I I gotta see them in the playoffs. Like okay, but they're not. I'm. Everyone needs to level set and understand that we're not winning the Super Bowl this year. So, you know, getting into the playoffs as a with a losing record is not ideal. It's not ideal. You really just hose yourself out of a lot of opportunities in the future um, by doing that, I, I, and I don't see any, I don't see any real need to 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 win the division this year. So if if you're if you're sort of you know want to win every game, but with sort of an eye to the future, I guess the next question is, what are you looking for in these games? Are you trying to see if there are pieces 
uh, like well, diamonds in the rough that you're sort of like keying in on, like a like a Travis uh, Fulgham, where you're you're like, you know, that's a piece that I'd like. You know, he's probably not making a huge salary. He looks like he can make plays. Um, you know, or- well, he's a piece. Uh, yeah, he, he. We have two things going on here. We have. <clears throat> the, who are the young players that you're looking to see develop? It's a shame that we're not seeing uh, Rager out there. Um, but, you know, some of these other guys like Hightower and stuff are getting um, some serious exposure and some, you know, chemistry building time with Wentz. Um, I think Fulgham is a future piece. I think even if even if Jeffrey and Jackson played in this game, Fulgham would still be in the game uh, in some capacity. Uh, same thing with Ward, um, too. So you have this balance of, I want to see these new players develop, but you have so much age, you're also like, can these older players survive? Uh, right. And, you know, are, are some of these older guys going to be in the mix next year, two years, three years? You know, no. So. What, what, what are you watching for there? So let me give you a couple other names, uh, and you tell me uh, whether you, you think that they are important pieces or, uh, you know, you're, you're expecting them to not be part of the, the future. So I'm going to give you some probably some veteran names and some, some you know, some younger players. So okay. we talked about Travis Fulgham. Uh, what do you think about Boston Scott? Do you think that that's somebody that's going to no. – you think that we may be seeing some of his he, – he certainly <sighs> seems to not have that that charge, I guess, that he had last year. Uh, it may be caliber of teams that we're playing uh, that are rendering him really ineffective. But it could also be the Corey Clement effect, you know, same thing that happened after his, you know, quote-unquote breakout uh, year. You know, it's just – not there again. He's just not one of those players that's going to be there day in. And when you're playing teams like Washington and the Giants, like down the stretch, these horrible teams, you know, maybe he can make some noise, but I don't see him being a piece. I, I know that, that the Eagles or, probably were hoping that they were going to be able to just sort of lean on Miles Sanders, but I really do wish that they had invested in um, in one of these uh, running backs that sort of was, was around and yeah. available to sort of grab. Um, maybe not a Leonard Fournette, but you know, Adrian Peterson looks good in, in Detroit. Um, sure. you know, that would have been a guy and I don't know that specifically guy, but you know, there are people that are out there, you know, and as if the chiefs need Le'Veon Bell. Right. And <laughs> another fascinating one would have been like, could we have had another run with Frank Gore? Could he have come back and really sort of added to the legend of his Eagles career, um, in his second <laughs> tour of duty? I, I don't know. I mean, that would have been interesting to see. <laughs> Second tour of duty. <laughs> um, here's another name that uh, somebody that I sort of tried to keep my eye on a lot today, and I don't know that I saw anything particularly special. But uh, but then again, I also didn't see anything particularly bad. Um, what do you think about how Jordan Maillot has been playing? I mean, he's I... a rugby player that's out there. <laughs> You're starting left tackle. Um, you know, what, what have you, has there been anything where you, you think that he's, he's just too raw and rough and you'd, you'd, you'd part ways? No, I don't know. I would keep running him out there. Uh, I think it, I mean, if, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's as far away as it seems for it to cl- uh, clicking. I really want it to click. Like that's a cool story. The dude's a human mountain. Uh, if it if it can click, I, I think we got to try. Uh, here's the thing: if it doesn't work, it's got to not really not work. If it doesn't work and it all of a sudden works for you know another team, that's going to be really annoying. Um, so I just want to make sure that we explore all the possibilities with that. I I, I got to think that it's it's within his ability to do it. He he. Don't you? He seems to be not totally. I've seen a lot worse that we yeah. trotted out at left tackle. Um, I mean, it's not King such, Dunlap. No, he is such a physical specimen that he seems to be able to just be competent just by sheer 
mass. Like he, you know, and if he could really sort of find some technique, I mean, he's not Jason Peters. And I don't know if that we just aren't, we still are built around an idea of a much more athletic left tackle. And, and that's sort of what the playbook calls for. And maybe those are where he, he gets sort of exploited that he's not quite that able to move at a hall of, you know, Jason Peters level. Uh, but Jason Peters, doesn't, you know, for all intents and purposes, not, not going to help this team at the moment in that capacity. So I would say that the Maialata experiment is still early. And yeah. um, if there's one thing that this year could benefit from is if he's able to stay healthy and start the rest of the way out, if there's no other options at left tackle, he would be a hell of a guy to follow Dillard uh, when Dillard gets back and to sort of like pressure Dillard to be the best tackle that he can be. Uh, and maybe then you you could you could teach my a lot of the right side. It would be nice if he could kind of spell both tackle positions because it, it looks like Lane Johnson's going to have trouble with his feet probably for the rest of his career. Yeah, you know what the Eagles are built for? The Eagles are really built for a left-handed quarterback. They really are. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to have like Lane Johnson? Uh, guard your, your blind side yeah and, and i i thought when they drafted lane johnson there was some talk that he would was going to be tried to move over to left tackle but it he's just such a good right tackle you you don't you've got that sort of shored up you don't want to necessarily mess yeah. with it which i agree with it would just be i mean if you had the like mike vick of what five years ago seven years ago yeah when he um, first started with the eagles yeah, yeah, with with this kind of line configuration, it, w- it would work out. But um, all right, anyone else you want to throw out there? And- uh, I guess I guess my last one would have been, um, and it's sort of more of like a, a grouping. Uh, is, is there anybody in the Eagles' uh, linebacking core that you would keep, or are you are you ready to put that whole that whole position group on the scrap heap? Uh. <laughs> There's no one in that. The, the, there's no one that on that core that gets their name brought up in a positive way. And that's the thing that I took note of today. I think I actually put it down in my in my my phone to, to bring up. How is it possible to have uh, a defense where the only time you hear a linebacker's name called is because he's either committed a penalty or he's blown a tackle. Like literally I never hear one make a sack. You never see one blow up um, anybody in the backfield. You just don't see any sort of, you don't even really see them like tip balls. Uh, They just seem like they are a a position group that is not contributing uh, at all uh, ever. (laughs) I mean, Nate Gary's name gets brought up a lot. Yeah, yeah, but rarely is it for anything good. <laughs> yeah, it's usually because he needs he needs to be buttered or, uh, you know, taken out of the toaster oven. Uh, something you said earlier uh, when we were watching the game was, um, you know, the Eagles' offense looked okay uh, to good when they had Jalen Hurts on the field. So um, what do you think his role going forward on the team is? They they managed to actually connect on that that play they've been trying. It feels like the entire season where they sort of, um, I guess Carson sort of runs uh, up up uh, the yeah, field they, and they they, they sort of do that 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 flea flicker back and then back to Hertz where they actually got like three or four yards on it. Now yeah, they threw the ball forty yards to get two. Yeah. Now, um, you know, you could sort of have seen. Obviously, on tape, they've they've got that play on tape so much now. Um, other teams sort of know that that's what they're trying to do. I wonder if either they're going to try another wrinkle on it, or if they're just going to, you know, Andy Reid with this with the with the bubble screen it to death. Um, but you know, do you think that he brings any particular value to this team other than this sort of gadget player? You know, is there a I I struggle to not when you see Wentz sort of play as badly sometimes as he plays or when he you know there was points in this game where I'm like what do you have to do to get benched on this team because Carson Wentz is is trying everything I don't know Um, I don't know that Carson Wentz is at the point where you're going to bench him but the Jalen Hurts was what shook them out of the funk to start the game and the broadcast did a nice job I thought they they made a good point that it sort of like puts the brakes on 
the defense and it puts the brakes on an aggressive defense. It's kind of like a, um, like a heat check for the defense. Yeah. Um, because you don't know what's going to happen. I personally would like, I'm interested in seeing, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I would like, but I'm interested in seeing Jalen hurts throw the ball more. Right. Um, that's what I'm interested in seeing. Cause I, I mean, I know he can move. Um, obviously he's got some elusive qualities. I think we've seen one pass, at least one pass. Um, that connected for a, a good gain. I think it was in the Steelers game, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. W- w- would it be the kind of thing where you'd want to see him just on a first down, just come out and just take it under center, you know, and then come off the field maybe on second down? Just Like a change-up series kind of thing? Or, um, exactly. It would be interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, and not to sort of with the implication that, like, he's going to come in and play the rest of the game, but to sort of have the defense look around and be like, who's, who's, who, what is he going to do? Um yeah, and I don't if know if that hurts case, or helps. It it, it is, uh, I think it is uh, jarring to the defense to see them both in the huddle. Yeah, uh, and not really sure. Well, okay, well, who's going to be the quarterback? Which now? one's going to be that's under center? Make a huge difference. That's in... the sort of thing where I would wonder, like, if you could uh, do like an up tempo thing with a double quarterback sort of scenario. These are the sorts of things, I guess, when you make that draft pick that run through your head as to like how that would be, but. I've yet to see the Eagles sort of un- unveil a sort of new wrinkle on how offensive football is going to be played. I've seen some gadgetry. I've seen some trick plays. I've seen some yeah. some formations that are interesting, but it seems to me that he is clearly being used more as the runner slash receiver than um, and, and Carson as the traditional quarterback. Um, so I would love to see something innovative. And at this point, now would be the year to try to innovate. You know what I mean? Let's yeah, let's try sure. to do something different. Um, taking it away from the on-field stuff, uh, seventy-five hundred Eagles fans uh, in the stands today. Did you feel like it made a difference? Um, I, Did it I didn't enhance your viewing pleasure. I mean, one of the things is we we've been having the feed, the noise feed, the whole time, so. You know, I don't know that I don't know if they were still doing that today or if we were just getting crowd like we were getting the actual crowd noise from the stadium um, yeah. today. I, I don't know whether which was the case, but uh, it sounded like a stadium that had a lot of people in it. Um, the, the field shot, you know, the on field, you know, when you pan the, the stadium, it still looked like there were, you know, like pockets of people rather than a full stadium, obviously. Uh, right. I don't know that it made any difference to my experience. I didn't I didn't feel like it gained Anything more than the one thing I did audibly hear where there were some times during the first half where you could audibly hear, I don't know if you would call it like a, a, a long boo, but there were definitely some grumbles, um, some, you know, which you hadn't been hearing uh, in the first parts of the season, certainly when after turnovers and stuff where you would hear they didn't play the boo track, um, which certainly they should have on file for Philadelphia. But uh, I did hear the the fans sort of give a little bit of, vocalization to some displeasure during the first half i it is weird though that is in some of those sections fans were sitting next to cardboard cutouts or in between cardboard cutouts i would be kind of annoyed with that i imagine that that was one of those situations where it's it's you know those are season ticket holders that are like put it in my seat um i guess but yeah, no, it it is sort of bizarre, a bizarre situation, a very two, uh, a very twenty twenty sort of thing that would be frustrating. Um, do you know whether or not it was like season certain percentage of season ticket know. holders? Were I don't know how you got offered in, um, and then uh, you you would you would go. I would imagine that that would make the most sense if you're only going to have seventy five hundred people. You're not going to put them up for public sale. Uh, you'd no. certainly want your people that have already committed well, to your football yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to gonna go. be sold i mean i would imagine all the season ticket uh, holders got their money back and then if they went to a game they would have to pay for the game um but it did have a very late not you know you you and i can relate to this late 90s phillies veteran stadium vibe to it oh, where yeah. you sort of got your own section oh yeah you can you know, yeah, that spread up your those, elbows out a little bit. Those those upper bowl days where I remember being in, you know, it would be August and I would go into a pizza shop and here it was going to be Glavin versus Schilling. And I'd be like, you know what? I think I'm going to hop in the old Chrysler Reliant and go up to Vet Stadium and pay my 11 bucks and have uh, have an entire section of the 700 level to myself tonight. 
Um, yeah. And I, I can tell you, I've done that done that many times because, trust me, there were some years in the '90s where, on an August night, the Phillies were so far out of it. Um, the only thing that would be interesting would be watching a pitching matchup and and uh, you know seeing some future Hall of Famers uh, uh, go at it. Um, but yeah, so it was weird. It was spooky. Uh, I assume that it's going to continue. <laughs> Um, I get. I don't know if they're going to increase it depending on how things were. I did hear that there were, I guess, some concessions open, which I guess is sort of good for the people that have those jobs. But all the transactions had to be strictly um, with your card. You couldn't yeah. pay cash. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, to a certain degree, I thought that they had a lot of safeguards in for the facility. I wish that there were more places in the world that would take things sometimes as seriously as it sounded like Lincoln Financial Field was. Probably yeah. that was in order to try and have this keep going as long as possible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, welcome back, fans, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right, so you ready for some Thursday night football this week? Uh, ready as I'm going to be. I, I wish that they would start the game at 6 instead of at 8.30, but uh, I guess I can't have everything I want. Yeah, I mean, any uh, – I, I don't know. I don't even know how to <laughs> – either predict this or whatever i don't know are we gonna be are we gonna be underdogs this week are we at new york i think it's no, gonna be it's home it's a home game then i i, I imagine that we're probably gonna be it's we'll gonna be, be kind of it will be a favor but it's gonna be it'll basically be a, a pick them yeah it'll, it'll be basically be a, a pick eagles by three kind of thing i certainly wouldn't bet either team on this and i if i, I would imagine we're gonna win this game and and this is the sort of thing where i i just sort of want to i want to feel like uh Get a, get, feel a win again. It, it it feels like it's been a lot longer than it has been um, to have a win. Uh, I know it's only been two weeks, but uh, it feels like a lifetime. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, no. I, 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 <laughs> I'm pumped to lose, like, three to four draft positions Thursday night and get a win against the Giants. Yes. Let's, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, I think after the Giants. We'll fuck up that pick anyway, so let's. <laughs> There's so many, there's so many other, you know, we've got so many other teams coming along that are going to have the potential to blow the doors off us. Uh, we still have that Seattle game uh, on the docket. Uh, that's going to be uh, a disaster. So, you know, if we can, if we can have some goodwill build up before then I I'm all for it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move uh, to some Sixers talk um, because there's been some uh, rumblings in the news recently that the Houston Rockets are very interested in a trade that would pair Harden with Joel Embiid. And I think, you know, um, the removal of D'Antoni and, uh, you know, some new, new perspectives there, it would make sense to pair Harden up with a force inside. Oh yeah, I mean, no. That could be super lethal. Uh, I I think if you're Houston, you're looking around the league at teams that might be looking to reconfigure, rebuild, um, and and you're looking at yourself in the Western Conference where you've got an LA Clippers uh, super team, you've got an LA Lakers super team, um, you've got a good Nuggets team, um, you've got Damian Lillard out in Portland. Uh, I think you've got to be like, we need to figure out a way to make ourselves better and competitive again in the Western conference. We still have Harden. He is a perennial MVP candidate. Um, so let's go and find him a good piece. What we have right now is not, it's not working. It's not getting us where we need to go. So Embiid seems like a glaring option. If you're looking just across the landscape at a player that could come in and really be a difference maker in what you're doing. Um, so what what options do you think that the Houston uh jeez the Houston Rockets would have to sort of acquire Embiid from the Sixers? Well, they're saying that um any everyone is on the table except for Harden, which makes sense if the the ultimate mission is to put Harden and player X Embiid in this case together, obviously you're not going to trade that piece away. And I and I get that. 
Um, so yeah, the tweet from, uh, Brandon Robinson is Houston Rockets are interested in trading for Philadelphia Sixers, big man, Joel Embiid hearing that everything is available except James Harden will monitor. Um, well, I think the, the big question here is would you trade Embiid? I mean, is it, is it just such like a foregone conclusion that this isn't working here? So let's trade. I I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Um, I don't know that I'm jumping at the chance or shopping Embiid. Um, This was the first thing that's really come along that's made me take pause and say, could we remake the team uh, in a way that would actually be better than what we have going on right now? Um and I, I think if you bring in a Westbrook and Simmons um, and we're able to, you know, you give up Embiid but are able to move off of maybe a Tobias Harris contract or an Al Horford contract and open yourselves up um, to be able to bring in a third piece, now you may you may have something. Um, but, you know, I, I think you have to be smart and make sure that you get a deal that not only keeps you competitive now – but puts you in a position to continue to be competitive in the future. You can't just give up Embiid uh, and then go back into the tank. That that's not that's not necessarily helpful in this scenario to me. Yeah, and and the question of durability comes up, and you, you may say like, how many how many years do we have a effective, healthy? you know, healthy, maybe in quotation marks, Joel Embiid, but, and I, everyone kind of has this impression that Ben is more durable or is more likely to stay healthy than Embiid. Um, But I don't know. I mean, Ben's been pretty injury prone too lately with some injuries that could, could linger for a long time. Yeah, it could be chronic, especially uh, what, what like kept him out. Thing and, and now the he's back got a, thing. The, the back thing is 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 can be one of those things that's just going to affect him for the rest of his career. Even if you know, even if he gets himself really, really strong, it's it's just one of those things that's once that part of your body is damaged, you're always going to have the effects of it. You're always going to have to sort of manage the the you know, as they say, the you know, the load that you put on that part of your body. I mean, basically, there's people that are going to be making this decision decision that know much more about basketball than than we do. Um, so, but I, I mean, I would really hope that Doc Rivers would have a huge say in this if he has a yeah. plan for how to use these two guys that could make. Obviously, I want the Embiid Simmons thing to work. I would much rather see that work than yes. something else work. If I had my druthers, like I would, I want to see the the fruits of the process grow the championship tree, you know, more directly than something that, you know, three general, you know, three general manager generations down the line, uh, sort of parlay into something success. I mean, I'll take it either way, right. but I-, I would much prefer to keep Embiid and Simmons. Cause I just like them. Like, I like Embiid. Like I like Embiid, it'll drive me nuts to see him on another team. It'll be really difficult. So, I don't know. I guess we'll just wait and see. Um, I mean, I think we're in agreement that the Sixers are going to have to retool, reconfigure themselves in some way right now. That the roster that is constructed is just not, it's just not optimized to sort of play the sort of basketball that's going to win you a championship. Um, so I'm hoping that now that Doc Rivers is coming in, that he's going to have an idea of the sort of game that he wants his squad to play and that they they make some some roster adjustments you know even if it is a little bit deeper in the roster but i would like to see them bring in some utility players that have a pretty clearly defined role about how they want to um to change the way that they play offense uh, i think that they have a lot of pieces on defense but um we'll see the the only other player really on the roster i would like to say that I want to keep and, and watch grow with this team is uh, rather than 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 shop right now when their value is probably pretty high is I really like Thibault and I really want to see how good he can be because he he was amazing to me in just his first year 
Yeah, he's probably a piece that teams around the league would want to include in a trade, but I don't. I mean, I you'd have to get a lot. Um, right. I mean, he he's on a very team friendly contract. He's young. He does a lot of the things that you you want out of a player. Uh, that's that's very attractive to a lot of a lot yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, we threw in Landry Shamit in that Harris trade like he was nothing. Right, um, and he's been a really good that, player. Thibel. Yeah, I would hate to see that happen with Thibel. Um And then also Embiid, you know, you gotta, you gotta, it's gotta be a bummer to uh, to hear about this trade <laughs> potential. Um, the the very week that you lose your dog. I know. I know. Now, the dog was injured in an elevator accident. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like I guess the elevator doors closed on the dog. Oh, gosh. Um, See, I I, I seem to remember the dog being relatively a new addition to the family. I I, I sort of assumed that it... Yeah, the puppy. It must have been an older dog than I had. They're fragile. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that he was a younger dog and I had no idea that he had run into some sort of an act. That's terrible. Klaus Hinky, DePaula Embiid. I, I, that was one of the greatest pet names I think in Philadelphia. It's incredible. It's incredible. I have a, uh, the only one that's better is Chase Pupley. I think. Okay. That's not bad. I have a, I have a coworker who has named her cat Linda from accounting. Oh, that's genius. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one, right? Yeah. Yeah, when uh, when she started work and she told me that her cat was named Linda from accounting, I was like, oh, well, of course, we have a Linda in accounting, which I think probably every company has Linda from accounting. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good name. Uh, all right, what else do we want to talk You want to talk a little baseball? Yeah. Wrap it up with some baseball? Yeah, I Enjoying think. Enjoying the postseason? You know, we, we are getting dangerously close. Uh, I don't know what the score is right now at this point because I, I don't have a TV. 3-2 Atlanta. So what inning are we in? We're fifth, in the fifth, fifth or sixth, probably by the clock. Yeah. Um, we're getting dangerously close to a World Series matchup. Uh, you want to comment first on it's bottom four? Bottom bo- four. Comment first on your Dodgers have the bases loaded with two outs, so it's a big spot. That is a big spot. Let's see if they can tie it up. Um, comment on <laughs> on the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays going back to the World Series first time since they uh, lost to an upstart squad from Philadelphia in two thousand and eight. Yeah. And Max Muncy just struck out with the bases loaded. Um, well, I hope the Rays can get it done this time. Uh, I will be uh, I will be on the Rays train in the World Series, no matter who their opponent you'll, is. At this I, point. I, I like to say you'll be in the Rays pool. The, since they're, okay, since they're yeah, aquatic, I'll be I'll be, <laughs> I'll be soaking up the Rays, <laughs> soaking up the Rays. <laughs> uh, well, I so here's the thing, right? They're all. I thought they went from the Devil Rays to the Rays. I thought that transition was from the Animal to the like Sunbeam, like Rays of Sun. Oh, I didn't know that they had actually changed, um, like their uh, what do you call that? Like their avatar, <laughs> um, <laughs> their logo. Like I know the logo was different, but I didn't know that like they were away from the that that animal as being part of their legacy i i I thought it was i thought i don't know that i thought it was okay but now i see their alternate their alternate hat is just like a like a manta ray yeah yeah a a a, uh a steve Irwin killer (laughs) on a hat so here's the question that was like did they change because the the word devil is somehow offensive i I mean has arizona state i guess changed and are, are they no longer the sun devils no, I think they uh, the New Jersey Devils are because the name the Devil Rays is stupid as fuck. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> N- not that just removing the Devil is that much better to just be the Rays. Um, they should have just become like the Tampa Bay Wade Boggses because that's basically how I use them for the first. The Rays dip. is cool. Like I'm fine with the name the Rays. Like, the, I, I, but I think of it as like Sun Rays. And then the Rays logo change, the, the logo change would would give you that impression because it was sort of like it became sort of like that star logo, like a sunburst yeah. type of yeah. uh, type of thing. Anyway, uh, I will be with I will be soaking up the Rays in the World Series. Um, I want it was sort of not a satisfying elimination of the Astros, not, not the way I wanted them to go down. At this point, with the way things were configured, I I, I would have. 
liked to see the Dodgers take like if I if I could set it up perfectly, you know, the Dodgers would be the ones to eliminate either the Yankees or the Dodgers. Right. And neither one of them really had the chance. And even like tertiarily, the 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 A's would have been okay since they're in the same division. They've probably been robbed of opportunities by those cheating bastards. The shenanigans. Um, but I'm happy they're eliminated. I guess that at the end of the day, that's the most important thing is they needed to be eliminated. I still don't think that the Houston Astros are off the hook. I think that uh, no, they, they have to do their like their boo tour. Yeah, I think that the baseball fans have a long, long memory. They they hold a grudge like nobody's uh, business. Uh, the Houston Astros they only played two divisions in baseball, um, so they still have a world tour. To take, and uh, you know, I—it's one of the things I'm looking forward to when fans are get get back into stadiums. Yeah, I mean, Dodger fans didn't get their say. Yankee fans didn't get their say. Phillies fans oh. should get their say just because <laughs> we we like to weigh in on everything. Just give me a reason, Gene. Just give me a reason. Uh, but it, and it was fun to see Jose Altuve uh get the yips and the 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 mental block, the knob block, the knob block, absolutely. The Steve Sachs. So, I mean, do you have any theories as to what this could possibly be? Do you have any equivalent in your own life um, where you felt like you've had the yips about something? Okay, I will. <laughs> I will say that I have had. Like, okay, you know how you go to the the uh, the ATM, yeah, and you take money out, right? You've done this a hundred times. You put your pin in the ATM a hundred times, yeah. I have gone to the ATM, put my debit card into the ATM, go to type my PIN, and I freeze. And you have no idea what to do. I have no idea what my PIN is. I can't for the life of me remember my PIN. I have to take my card out, like clear my mind or something. And let the numbers flow through my fingertips without thinking about it. Have you ever had it's, to text your wife and ask her what your pin is? Because that's no, she doesn't know. Like, she doesn't know. Wow, see, but... she wouldn't know that. Um, and it's not like I have it written down. <clears throat> but I feel like that's the same thing. Like yeah. I've gone and I've typed that number so many times. Jose Altuve has thrown the ball to first base so many times. So many times that once you think about it, it's over. How your how your muscle memory can leave you that way? I mean, he's literally been doing this since he's probably been able to to walk or talk. I was I was thinking watching my nephew play um, play baseball that you know, God, these professional guys have been doing it since they were his age, you know, and he's he's seven, so you know. Uh oh! I think something good might have happened. Uh, no, I just uh, Freddie Freeman just got robbed of a homer. Oh well, that's the top always, of the fifth here by good. by uh by Mookie Betts. But yeah, so sweet. um, you know the yips. It's it's it, and it, it, I love how these things sort of happen in the in the biggest of spots. You know, you, you you never really think about the yips happening in to somebody in May. It's it's when 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 it happens in October that it becomes really interesting. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you don't get the yips when it doesn't matter. You only get it when it does matter. And to see him starting to spike balls, uh, it's just a strange way. Like he's, he's really killing the worms in front of uh, first base with these throws. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes they were dug out and they would save them, and sometimes they weren't. Um, well, and but it I was mean, just fun to see. And we've, we've, you know, there's <laughs> couldn't been, happen to a nicer guy. There, there have been famous incidences where pitchers suddenly can no longer get it. Uh, you know, either either pitch or more famously is that there are catchers that can no longer get it back to the pitcher. Um, it's it's just such a strange baseball phenomenon. Yeah, you got to recite the uh, Victoria's Secret catalog, right? When you're throwing throw back to the when you throw back to the pitcher. Um, yeah, I was watching some little league games this this weekend where the 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 pitcher just the catcher could not get the ball to pitch and he eventually just decided all right i'm just gonna roll the ball back to the yeah you don't have any other option at that point hey man whatever 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 gets the job done so Um, uh you know we're we're, i'd say that are i don't know i'm hoping that it's a dodger tampa bay world series myself same um just because uh i hate the braves as a franchise 
uh, and most of their players. So that would be ideal for me. But, you know, taking my bias aside, I think either way, Tampa Bay is going to be your world champions, possibly uh, by the next time we speak. I don't know if there'll be enough games by then, but uh, if it starts on Tuesday, it's possible that by the next time we speak, uh, uh, although if we do a show on Thursday, maybe not. Um, just think about our own <laughs> internal schedule. But uh, very soon, I think that the Rays could, could do this in like five games. Well, that's not giving uh, giving the National League much credit in this uh, in this World Series. I mean, what kind of special hell is it to be a Dodgers fan lately? Oh God, absolutely the must be like the worst because you've been the, you've been probably the best regular season baseball team for the last five years, and you really have nothing to show for it. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Um, before we do, though, you know, I mentioned Little League Baseball, and uh, th- this weekend. Both my both my boys uh, wrapped up their seasons of uh, of Little League, and I just want to say if, if there's anyone listening that is a part of Little League baseball, coaching, uh, managing, volunteering, organizing a Little League baseball league, um, just thank you so much. Especially this year um, when there's so much these kids are not able to do, it was really awesome to let them have the opportunity to play baseball in a really safe and structured way with their friends. And, um, you know, we didn't take a lot of risks this year and you kind of have to decide what your risk is going to be during the time of COVID. And my wife and I have not gone out to dinner. We haven't gone to like family parties or, um, you know, parties with friends and things like that. Um, and we did allow the kids to play soccer and baseball, um, and we took that as our as our risk during this time. Um, and uh, it was it was just great for them to have the opportunity to be able to play, even though spring ball didn't happen until the fall. So uh, if you're a part of Little League Baseball in any way, thank you for, um, you know, taking the extra precautions and steps and, and going through all those hoops to get that off the ground. So I just I uh, just wanted to say that. Um and uh, and the, your weekly reminder, as always, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Podadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening week, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. Uh, and we'll be back with you Thursday night for Raw Nerve Eagles Giants, which will leave tons of time on Sunday for us to talk World Series, basketball. Maybe Chuck will be back with some hockey news. Maybe we'll get some Flyers transactions. There have about. been some some big signings that I have I have to pick Chuck's brain about. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.